the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we're back to the time, 6 o'clock on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let me go to line number two and stop, talk with Deborah in Oakland. Deborah, what's your question, comment, or observation, young lady? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I just my question is, for people like myself who would like to go to church but can't go anymore, how... How would we share in the rewards of the kingdom if we're not able to do the things that we were able to do when we were able to go to service? I love it. Uh, This is such a profound um, question, and I'm so glad you brought it up, and I'm glad you actually are staying with Topic 2, Deb. So let me expand on it. I I love this. I actually taught on uh, rewards um, about a year and a half ago. It's amazing, too, because uh, in, in the community of faith I grew up in, there was a fundamental disregard for and um, almost shaming of any kind of teaching around rewards because there was the assumption that if you emphasize or taught rewards, that you were denying grace and fundamentally calling on works. And uh, again, that's fundamentally, in my opinion, a collapse of reason and rationale. And Christians are like that. Even pastors and denominations can be like that as well, not thinking through through uh, doctrine and propositions carefully enough to to affirm that the Bible clearly teaches rewards, you guys, does not deny that the Bible, the Bible also at the same time, without any kind of uh, tension or contradiction or oxymoronic um, uh, inferences uh, or paradoxes in terms of what grace is. Grace does not mitigate works or rewards. Grace does not deny uh, rewards or works. Grace basically is the foundation for both. When we say that we're saved by grace, <clears throat> we're not saying that we're not we're saved by grace never to ever perform any kind of works. That would be utterly contrary to the nature of God, the nature of Christ, or the nature of salvation. Ephesians 2.10 says that we have been ordained to them uh, from the foundation of the world. And mark this. God says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto with regards to for the specific purpose of bringing forth good works. If that be the case, the question is, how do we then reckon the whole subject of rewards and works, etc.? Um, especially when the matter is much more complex when you begin to investigate it more thoroughly. So here's what I discovered, Deb, with regards to rewards, and this is why I said to Jay, do not become uh, so fixated on rewards that you lose the bigger picture of the foundation of that expectation and hope or the process. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is a good model But the Bible, in terms of how God calls us collectively to serve together, is also a very uh, important piece of information. Let's say, you guys, for those of you who want to be taught in regards to the matter of good works, that you obey God in terms of uh, loving him, adoring him, worshiping him, 
even evangelizing for him and witnessing or even being committed to uh, outreach and uh, all of the benevolent and wonderful Christ-like um, characteristics that he his, himself modeled for us and the apostles. As a rule, and largely, there's nothing that you and I do for the kingdom of God and for the glory of Christ that is not a byproduct of the larger collective body of Christ. In other words, we're always passing the baton, either forward or receiving it from behind. There is none of us who are part of the body of Christ that are autonomous, truly. No one person is doing work with God alone for the kingdom so that the crown you receive, the reward that you get, and all of the different metaphors of honor that comes with those who walk in humility down here, they are never the byproduct of your soul work alone. You and I will never be able to say when we get to glory, it was me, myself, and I, and Jesus that got this work done. Whatever it may be that will cross over into eternity at that time when God decides to honor his people. And all of us who are Christians will be honored on that day if we are his. This is why we suffer with him now that we might be glorified together with him on that great day. It is really a topic that needs to be expanded so so thoroughly as to help us understand God is anticipating the day when he will give reward to his servants, his prophets, and his people, Revelation chapter 11 around verse 10 are so very clear to me as I quoted Hebrews eleven six. he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, here's where I want to really press home a point that I taught in one of the earlier lessons on rewards, and this is so germane to, to Deborah's um, question, and here it is. Are you guys ready? Because we are all interconnected as believers— um, I help Deb and Deb helps me and churches around the world and churches in different communities that serve the Lord God uh, truly by his grace and are operating by his spirit. It's the spirit of God that's producing the works in us and through us and by us so that we do say with um, the prophet Zechariah, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. But it's also a collective work. One man's souls. Another man labors, another person reaps, another person gives. One person sows, another labors, another reaps, another gives. This this what we call cooperative, reciprocal, uh, interconnected relationship, Deborah, is seen when Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, one waters, one sows, another water, and God gives the increase. So he said we are all laborers together in his vineyard. The moment that you pray for me, Deborah, to yeah. be faithful in my preaching. And God honors that prayer and allows me to preach in such a way as to either see someone become saved or see another saint recover from a fallen state or see another state edified and built up in the faith or see a bunch of people like we do on the program every Monday where thousands are listening and they are growing because of the watering of the word that's taking place by my present exhortation. You are a collaborator with me in that process and part of the reward is yours so that the body of Christ never can ever say it all got done by the thumb. It all got done by the toe. It all got done by the finger. It all got done by the ear. It all got done by the mouth. It all got done by the eye. We, unfortunately, give a whole lot of credit to our pastors because they are mouthpieces for God. And we, unfortunately, and pastors do this and theologians do this. This is horrible, Deb. You guys, 
we kind of paint a picture like we're going to be sitting in the audience while John MacArthur walks across the stage or, you know, uh, Charles Spurgeon walks across the stage and John Knox and, 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 and Swingley and Calvin and Wesley and Luther and whoever is going to be walking across. And they're going to get these massive rewards and, you know, we'll get consolation prizes. Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth, children of God. Please understand, Christ already hinted that the matters of evaluation around the rewards are so hidden with God that none of us can ever speculate who will get what kind of rewards because it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And only God knows the heart. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, I don't even judge myself because God is the one that really knows my motive. He really knows my heart. He really knows what measure I am actually operating out of the spirit, out of obedience, out of humility when I sow. If I'm operating, Deborah, largely out of a carnal motive, even though outwardly I will get the applause of all sorts of people for what I do. And I'll be able to count heads and give numbers accounts. And I can talk about how many people are witness to in this country, that country, the other country, and how many people come to grace and how many people we baptize. None of that has any concrete certainty with God. This is why I don't count sheep. And I don't, I was down at uh pastor, um, uh, who's the guy that comes on after me on uh, on, on the mon- on the uh, weekday program? Who's our uh, Scottish brother that comes on after me? Uh, Phil, Pastor Phil, what? No, who comes on Jarrell after me on the twelve noon program? He's Scottish, just like um. Yeah, I was I was down there with Philip a couple of weeks ago at his church. Nice church. Uh, good preacher, man. Great fellowship, right? Good brother down there. Did a wonderful message on this topic that we are talking about in Philippians 3. Um, one would go, you know, these guys who have worldwide ministries and, and massive, you know, turnouts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None of that matters uh, in terms of our judgment. We don't know who is going to receive what reward. We need to stop that. Christ simply said, he that is faithful in little will be viewed as faithful in much. So even in your limited capacity, Deb, here's what you do. As you know your, I'll tell you what, saints, let me close it this way. Because we have the ability to have Bibles in our hands and uh, and read our Bibles, we can know the gospel and the God of the gospel, and we can commune and fellowship with him. And, and true worship is from the heart. And because we have radios where we can gather together and commune like we're doing right now, and I I see thousands of you listening right now. I see you. I see you. Um, Because we can do this, um, this means that we are without excuse when it comes to worshiping and serving God. Because we can encourage one another like we're doing. We can pray for one another like we're doing. We can intercede. We can supplicate. We can write letters. We can do emails. And God expects all of it to be done, Deb. Every little thing that we do, don't view yourself as disconnected from the body when it comes to reward on the last day. Say, Lord, here we come and whatever rewards are coming, we will be glad to have received them. And then the moment that you give them to us, we together collectively will take them and throw them at your feet because to you alone belongs all the glory, all the power, all the dominion, all the honor, because you 
have redeemed us out of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. That's the way it's going to be on that day. It's not going to be this carnal thing of somebody being higher than the other and and sort of uh, degradations, I call it, of rewards because of human estimations. It's not going to be like that at all. I want to encourage every believer to do the best you can in your walk with God, to whom much is given, much is required. For my brothers and sisters out there like Deb, who are shut in and can't, can't do some of the physical work, you will have be, been doing a great work, Deb, praying for the body of Christ, praying, praying for believers, encouraging them when you do call or when you talk with them. Prayer goes a long ways, children of God, when the heart is right. Yes, it does. Yep. So there you go. Wait for the we factor when we get up there, okay? Okay. <laughs> Bless you. All right, let me see here. I'm going to take a break. one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we are back. Um, you guys pray for our president. He's presently talking with Kim Jong-un in the summit. It's underway right now. And to pray that um, his interaction with this uh, emperor, this, um, this president, this, this king, this ruler um, goes well. I would love to see North Korea liberated from the tyranny and um, and oppression that they have received both by their own leadership and uh, and and quite frankly just uh, missed opportunities decades and decades and decades ago by our own presidents because we have a larger goal uh, of of dominion around the world for the interest of America, as they would put it. Um, let's pray that we can break through and have better relations instead of the notion that uh, we might in fact have to take some hints from nuclear um, arsenals that would come from North Korea. Uh, when all it requires is uh, for adversaries to sit down and talk face to face and be reasonable, rational, and God intervene with his power and grace um, to bring about um, a historic transition in the relationship between America and North Korea. We can pray for that, children of God. We don't have to pray for war all the time. We don't have to lust for war. We don't have to be greedy for destruction. We can actually be greedy for salvation, greedy for peace. Greedy for harmony. Let me go to line one and, uh, and and talk to Mark. Mark, you have a question, comment, or observation? Yeah, I'd like you to speak to uh, Acts 5 with uh, Philo and what's his name. And also, before you do, uh, you know, we always have present our supplications before him, you know, not for our righteousnesses. You know, our righteousnesses are a joke. You know, really. I agree. And now, uh, now, 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 what are you doing in Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphira? What are you doing there? Well, uh, well I'm just, you know, it's a pretty heavy chapter. I'd just like to hear what you have to say about that. Right. Um, uh, Ananias and Sapphira were a warning to the early church not to fall prey to what goes on much in our present day church, where we love to talk about the love of God and not the holiness and wrath of God, as if you can divide God. It's a real problem in our present day churches where holiness and uh, reverence and um, awe is completely evacuated from the church. Most of our churches, many of our churches are given to the assumption that you can draw people by entertainment. But the reality is the only way we can draw people to God is by preaching the truth of the gospel that requires both the judgment aspect and the salvation aspect of the message. What draws real people 
to their need of salvation is not saying smile. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You didn't hear any of the prophets ever say that the Lord never said it. The apostles never said it. And shame on any pastor who actually thinks the Holy Ghost would take that kind of fodder and draw lost hellbound sinners to God. John 16, 8 says, and when he, the spirit of truth is coming, he will work through his servants, his people, his preachers, and he will convince the world of sin. Sin is a real issue still. It's the reason for which for which Christ went to the cross. It is the message of redemption from sin that we preach. But until we tell men and women they are lost. They are sinners under the wrath of God, as Christ did in John chapter 3, verse 18 and following. He says, men love darkness rather than light, and they will not come to the light, lest their deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in darkness. And that is the condemnation of the world. And when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost, that is, lied to God, God had to use them as an example that he was the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And in the same way that he opened up the ground and swallowed up Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, he quickly made an end of Ananias and Sapphira because the reality is, is that you and I are so malleable and so uh, influenced and so given to uh, following corrupt patterns that had God allowed Ananias and Sapphira to get away with that, the ch- whole church would have been corrupted by lie- lies and, uh, and, and fabrications and the idolatrous carnal drive for a carnal Christianity and materialism that they were advocating that, uh, that the gospel would have never gotten off the ground because people would have been, uh, they would have been pursuing wealth and, and prosperity. And here's the awesome thing about that text. It was a husband and wife lying to God because they wanted to keep back part of the price. And God said, no, my church won't be built on lies. It will be built on honest people who come to me and want to serve me for me and not for greedy gain, which is really a Western plague today in our churches. Thanks for your call. Let me go to line number two and talk with Deborah in Castro Valley. Deborah, are you there? I am, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing well this evening. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm ready to talk about it. (laughs) I'd like to invite all of the females in your listening audience to join us as we celebrate the kickoff of year three of the Daughters of Grace ministry on this Saturday, June 16th at 10 o'clock at Grace Bible Church. So we, 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 we have moved through a two-year period, and, and I, I think you would affirm this as well as our more uh, seasoned, seasoned sisters out there, that um, a year goes by so quick that there is— It does. And two, it really does. And even two years go by so quick that we have to really pause and reflect and think about what happened yesterday before we even move forward, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So you tell are us absolutely right. So tell us what so we've got coming up. Okay. This invitation pastor is for for girls, young ladies and women of all ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Saturday's topic is entitled Looking Well to Our Going. Right. From the book of Proverbs. Yep. And the focus is on looking back and moving forward. Amen. And our presenter is Yours truly, Pastor Jesse Gastan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm honored to actually be able to um do this 
um, presentation. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about it. I'm I'm excited. Let's talk about it. What what are you thinking? What's your thoughts? Well, first of all, I want to say how befitting that you will be the presenter as we close out our second year of the ministry and prepare to go into year three. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I so clearly remember several years ago when the idea of this ministry was a desire of your heart. Right. And that it was to be founded uh, on the book of Titus, chapter 2, 1 through 5. Right. And... um, You wanted the young ladies in the church to have the older sisters, the more seasoned sisters in the church, to walk alongside them, to uh, encourage them, to share life wisdom and support with them. And for the last two years, we have been able to do that. And so I just want to thank you for the platform once again, because... As I look back over the last two years as one of the core members of the ministry, I know that so many uh, ladies have been wonderfully impacted by the many, many different messages Mm -hmm. that were presented through the ministry, and growth has occurred. I agree. I agree fully with you, Deb, on that. I didn't didn't even know, first of all, um, that... Uh, my you guys asking me to um, speak this Saturday um, really corresponded first of all with with um, with the three year um, with a an embarking on a, a third year uh, didn't know it because I'm so busy with so many things but look at God He's gracious enough to let me be yeah. involved at that level uh, and I'm thankful for it but more even yeah. more so I'm very sensitive to what you just stated um, how that you know God will He will give us an unction about something a decade ago and then at the right time when everything is in place he will allow us to launch and allow us to engage and if you've been listening to the program prior to your calling in you know we've been kind of talking about good works and rewards and things of that nature right right right, right. And, and 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 here what i was saying to the saints and particularly to deborah um is that it's really a collective work um, a smart pastor knows that he doesn't do anything um, by way of accomplishing something for God by himself. I am a, I'm keenly aware of that. And that's why when you and I talked about it years back, you, if you recall, my present concern at that time was that we did not have the resources to do it back then. We just didn't. And we right. had we had to grow and mature, and God had to season, and then begin to call you ladies to that task. I think I remember back then, in a general way, and you can help me. Um, you know, Caleb was somewhere around maybe fourteen years old, or maybe about fifteen years old. Right. Yeah, and you know, right. you're in the throes. And Caleb, by the way, is now twenty one. Yeah, look at that. It, it, <laughs> Exactly. Talking about time going by. Right. And 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 Yes. And God being able to after we get them up out of high school or close to high school age and being done and projecting them into college, it give it gave you guys room now to be able to do what uh God has seasoned and qualified you to do, and that is to minister to the downline. Yes. 
And that's yeah. where we are. Yeah. That's where we are now. Very, 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 yeah. very thankful for that opportunity. So how would we uh, frame this since we've already given the call to, to the ladies to join us this Saturday um, at 10 o'clock at Grace for our looking well to our goings, looking backwards in order that we might go forward. How would we frame this discussion for a few minutes in order to kind of give them a taste of kind of um, what we're going to talk about and challenge them on? We're going we're gonna to take an, an inventory of the resources that we've been blessed to receive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over the last two years, Pastor, yeah. and, uh, and then ask ourselves, uh, how are we actually using those resources? Right. How are we using the tools that we've been blessed to receive? Um, we're going to evaluate uh, our application. Right. And that and that is very critical because, as I stated um, yesterday when we were closing out the core meeting, if if we don't genuinely understand scripture when we read it, right. then we could very well apply something that is not good for us. True. True. And that impacts our lives in an adverse way. Never what was intended by God's word. Right. Right. So it's just so critical, so important. It's important to me, um, and I and I know it is to to our listening audience that that we are in a Bible teaching church, so that we genuinely understand the Word of God, so that we can, in fact, apply it and apply it pro- appropriately. Indeed, there are going to be three major topics that I present with some subpoints. First of all, you you said it. We're going to take inventory of our resources. We are going to evaluate our application, and then we are going to assess its impact in our life. Now, I'm going to take a break, and I want to come back and talk just um, tangibly about those three uh, major points and and have some dialogue with you before we um, before we close out. So we're going to take a break right now. Um, you're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Um, we will be right back. Hold on, Deb. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. We're back at the time, 634 on the Monday edition of Lifeline, um, talking with um, Sister Deborah from Grace Bible Church, one of our core group leaders for um, the Daughters of Grace ministry. And uh, as we were on break, Deb, I was just thinking through why it's important for us to um, do this process of evaluation, taking inventory um, and, and evaluating our application um, a couple of things I just want to say at large for those who are listening, and I really do hope that uh, if you are out there as a sister or as a female, as a woman, as a mother, as a daughter, and you don't have a community of women to uh, be part of a cultivation of character uh, as you commit your walk to Christ, then you really do want to uh, at least come and expose yourself to our ministry, Daughters of Grace. And it takes place this Saturday at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. You really do. You can call the office. You can go online. We have wonderful messages by many of our speakers, um, supremely by Sister Deborah herself here, that you can listen to. And they will be utterly um, illuminating as well as challenging to you in terms of your walk with God. Um, But what I'm thinking about um, around what we are seeking to endeavor to do, Deb, relative to uh, the growth of our sisters and our daughters is really 
the area is really around growth. And so here's what I am um, proposing. Growth is an evidence of life. It's an evidence of life. And we say that we know the Lord and we are believers in Christ. Well, we're actually talking about life, life in God and life with God and life by God. And growth is an evidence of life. There's nothing that lives that does not grow. Growth is an evidence of life. So when we are engaged in this kind of ministry activity um, as being obedient to God, we are seeking to grow, 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 because growth is the evidence of life. But secondly, and more to why we want to evaluate application now, after we have affirmed the inventory and resources that God has given us over the last couple of years, um, is because we want right growth, or what I am calling correct growth, because correct growth is an evidence of healthy life. Some people may be alive, but are they healthy? And where healthy life is absent, that means we are not growing correctly. And we have to look back and and say, did I get it right? Whether it was the teaching or whether it was the understanding or whether it was the application, did I get it right in order for me to be confident that I am growing right? And that's what this whole um, series will be about on Saturday. So what's your thoughts about that? I'm excited. I'm excited to take the words from one of the one one of the other core group members. I am really looking forward to it. Um, To have you um, assist us in taking inventory, I I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. Of the very many resources that are available at Grace Bible Church, Um, the the uh, the CDs, the uh, the women's theology class, for example, that just ended, yeah. and, you know, you taught us how to dance with the Lord, and, yeah. um, you know, here I am learning how to do it correctly, and I must admit that before then, I'm sure I was doing something that looked like the cha-cha. <laughs> um, but then, but then even more to uh, have the ministry available where we've had uh, wonderful uh, presentations and sisters are able to get that information uh, on CD through the uh, uh, media ministry at no cost. Right. Um, and, and just looking at all of the resources that have been provided. Um, it, it's just been a wealth of information. And so the question to myself in taking inventory, mm-hmm. did I receive it the way that it was intended? And right. I, am I applying it and using the way that, that God wills for me to? Right. <clears throat> and that third category for me, um, I, I want us to be able to talk about what I love about the format. And we'll just share this before I let you go, is that with the meetings, we come together at 10 and we are encouraging all of our um, uh, sisters out there who do come. And if you're planning on coming, you'll try to be there promptly because we want to get it started so that we can be done promptly. We get done around noontime so we can have lunch together. The format is we get in there, um, we um, open up with a hymn or a song, and then we pray. And then some uh, basic uh, protocol language is given. And then we have a presentation. And the presentations right. have been absolutely I've, – I've enjoyed all of the sisters' presentation. I don't know one presentation that has been um, unfruitful at all. Do you? Well, 
You, no, I, I think they've been. We, it's been an amazing two years, and this um, this culminating of the second year, we are going to hand out a survey to okay. our sisters, okay. asking them um, what their thoughts and feelings have been about what they've received through the presentations, and in moving forward, what would they like to see? So we're going to take the temperature of the ministry on a number of different levels, and. I'm just really, really excited about uh, the outline of your presentation mm-hmm. and what I think the day will bring. And it always brings such wonderful fellowship. And, and of course, that's something to always look forward to, too, as we, as we gather. Right. We do. Uh, around lunch, around a, a nice lunch. <laughs> absolutely. And shortly before yes. that, we've, we've employed another um, element that I actually know is critical both to men and women, and that is we have these breakout sessions that allow clusters of women to gather together, seven and eight clusters of women to gather together, so right. they can actually, um, they can actually uh, revisit an, an impression that the the message made and then to take notes and to actually get to know each other and then maybe even address challenges, et cetera, because this, this Saturday is going to be a little bit challenging in terms of, you know, how well have we, have we done? But I've seen that that has really created uh, a hunger and a thirst and uh, a satisfaction to have those breakout groups uh, that, that occur so women can actually get to know each other because we actually have to do the gospel in community. We really do. I, I agree. I agree. And so, as you said, following your presentation, there will be age-appropriate breakout correct. sessions. Correct. With the intention of promoting group discussions and a sense of intimacy. True. True. So so that that is important. And we've found that um, the our guests are uh, responding very, very well to that, and they, they're wanting more of that. And it's just a feel-good situation. I agree, and, and we definitely need mm-hmm. that. We are all in a warfare. Um, I, I, right. know, I know that for myself, and I'm assuming that uh, with my sisters. We are in a warfare, and uh, while, while we are living in some of the best days uh, in our lives, particularly as we mature and get older in Christ, these are some challenging days, Deb. Really? Really, yeah. really, they are. And so we will have sisters who are um, really needing to hear from God, to hear grace preached again, forgiveness of sins, how to dance with God, uh, the mandate and, uh, and and call to honor all men because it's a it's a so reap principle. If we honor men, then we will get honored back. It's just the way that it works with God. And so I'm looking forward to um, to that day. Listen, thank you for the call. Thank you for chiming in. You do You're such, welcome. A, such a great job. And Lord willing, I'll see you on Saturday. Thank you, Pastor. All right. God bless you. I've got two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's go to line number. Three and talk with Ken in San Jose. Ken, thank you for your patience. What's your question, comment, or observation? Hi, Pastor. Well, my observation is um, I've noticed a peculiar um, uh, thing happening with Christian radio stations, which maybe um, I can't prove anything, but might be a subtle type of, of um, uh, uh, interference going on. It's, it occurs with uh, distant stations, like, for instance, um, 770 AM is, a, is a, a station in the valley. You can get a sort of medium um, intensity in the Bay Area, and um, with this and other um, other stations, including um, KFAX at distant locations, 
uh, it's a type of uh, peculiar static that yeah. is not natural. It's like I could say, like a high-pitched type of irritating tone that doesn't occur on non-Christian stations. So, and it, it's not evident near the transmitter. When you have a strong signal, you can't hear it. But it might be a sort of subtle type of attack that's going on. I have no, you know, idea who's doing it or what the proof is, but. It certainly is a, is a consistent pattern with Christian stations. If that's the case, I'll tell you what I know. I know that it's been going on almost all of my Christian life. Um, really? Yeah, and particularly at night. Um, and I think that um, at nighttime, uh, Christian radio is some of the most comforting radio we can um, we can have at our availability, particularly when the gospel is right. And I'm sure you agree with that. Uh, there's nothing like um, you might be struggling or might be tired or might be retiring from work, headed home after a um, a swing shift job. Or, you know how we do, we get home after work in the evening, five o'clock and from five to seven or eight or what have you, we do our chores. And then we want to hear maybe some sober Christian radio ministry, uh, maybe some good preaching, and lo and behold, um, the quality of the sound um, becomes challenging uh, in particular areas of the Bay Area, all up through the north and south, and all in the valley, and all across uh, the, um, I forget what that's called, uh, uh, the um, Altamont, headed over to Stockton area. A lot of us have known this for years, Ken, a lot of us, and it's kind of a labor to get solid word on the radio, and so the alternative is Internet. I, right, exactly, and so um, I'm interested in uh, the same thing. I mean, these signals can be located as, as possible. I never I don't know how you do it, but certainly possible could be tracked down and hopefully, because nobody seems to be talking about it yet, it's always out there. That's why I wondered if you and other uh, any of the listeners have noticed it. Oh yeah, well I'm sure we have because I'll get. <laughs> we used to be on at night, and uh, Pastor Man, we can barely hear you. You know, and and that would only be they would only be ten miles away or twenty miles away, and so it just seems like. Um, um, only pockets can get it at certain times and that uh, other times you can get it. I don't know what the answer is to that phenomenon, but I do know that um, I wish that it were not so. And I am thankful that the alternative is satellite radio and Internet that allows us to get a clean sound, although we may not always be able to get the variety of um of speakers and um, programs that we would want. But I think I think Internet is going to solve that. I think that we're dealing with some antiquation in terms of uh, of uh, radio signals by our um, towers. And I also know the enemy is the, is the prince of the power of the air. I know that. I know that he plays a role in obscuring any kind of clarity that can occur at any time for anyone anywhere at all, lest they hear the glorious gospel of the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ and should be saved. I know that that kind of adversity um, always is befalling the church, so we have to pray for it. Exactly. I'm not the only one that noticed it. Okay, right. thank you. It's a struggle. Thanks, man. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. I got to take a break. When I come back, I'll take your calls on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, one 367 one We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. All right. We've got 10 minutes for the program before we close out a great uh, program today. Let me go to line number two and talk with Brandon in San Francisco. Brandon, are you there? I am. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Sound like you're headed home. 
I am. Yeah, I'm in the car. Okay. How's work been going for you? Not too bad. Okay. Too bad. Good. Excellent. What's your thoughts or topic for for um, us for the last few minutes today? Sure. Well, you know, we've actually, you and I have touched on this a couple of times before, but we've never really got uh, any clarity on on how you reconcile this. And so it's always been a question I've been curious about uh, to, to get your take on. Okay. Um, but, you know, we've talked before about how, you know, um, ultimately the universe is, is sort of God's responsibility, right? It's not. This is not Plan B. This is. This was His plan to begin with, right? You know. Yeah, in um, a sense, in a sense, in a sense, that would be. We can take that as a general proposition. Right. Okay. This, this, this universe didn't take God by surprise. Right. Words, right. Okay. Right. Um. So how is it that God um, can be? You know, in in uh, in an executive sense, you know, the buck stops here kind of sense. Yeah. Responsible for the universe uh, and 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 what goes on in it, but not be morally responsible or culpable for all of the evil in. Uh, did I lose you? Oh no, I got you. Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. So okay. now. You know, you know, you've done enough Bible study back in the day when you were uh, somewhat being drawn to understand theodicy. It's a fundamental classical theological position that says, how do we reconcile a good God with evil in our universe, evil in our world and God not be culpable for it? That's basically the uh, the 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 thesis, the argument. Um, Well, what what we have what we have stated over and over as theologians going back, you know, to the dawn of time, uh, and this would even preclude Christianity or uh, Judaism in in all reality. I I think what men have been able to do is recognize God as first causes as a reasonable, coherent proposition relative to things made. We we would not accept the premise that uh, the thing made made itself and that somehow we came into existence. Uh, uh, at a level of prime, you know, primordial slime uh, with, with no intelligent designer behind it. And so once we established the, uh, the coherent proposition that there had to be something more intelligent than the thing made by which the thing was made, and we see everything in creation that would follow that order, um, we say that the universe was made by an intelligent being who is omnipotent and who is um, all-knowing and all-seeing and that he is good and that he is moral and just. Um, We begin to then build an argument for his character around the way he has revealed himself to us, both in creation as well as in special revelation that we would call his special intervention into our life historically, where men and women have met God and have heard from God and have been able to convey to us uh, what God has said about who he is and how he has made things and where we are now. And so I would basically say that the problem with our universe that makes it so difficult for us to easily or even at all accept the premise that God is good and almighty and loving uh, and just 
uh, and at the same time, the omnipotent creator of the universe without it being um, either a contradiction or uh, an imposition upon his moral rectitude. We would say that our present state is a state of sin, and sin makes it difficult for us to be able to reconcile the evil that's in the world with a holy and just and righteous God being um, the author of all creation. I, we, I would say that if we had time to talk more, uh, Brandon, that the problem with you and I is sin has marred our ability to be able to see through this broken universe or our, our complex universe, if we want to use a less moral term, uh, to a um, to a pure being who originally designed it in a fashion by which um, it would reflect his glory more consistently. But sin has broken that reflection to the degree where we're arguing about the very existence of God. And if we're not arguing about his existence, we're arguing about his character and attributes. And uh, that argument is known by God, too. He knows we're going to argue. He even said that in his word. There will be people who will deny his being or distort his character or um, challenge his goodness. And so here we are doing exactly what the Bible said we would do. Okay, but but there's there's a reason why we challenge that, right? Right. Right. If, if, uh, If I had the ability to you know, um, rescue someone uh, in in a, in a dire situation, uh, someone who's dying of cancer or something like that. If I had the ability to just sort of magically wave my hand and make the situation better, especially if it didn't come at any cost to me, right? Um, it didn't. It didn't. I didn't lose anything. I wasn't diminished in any way in order to help this person, and I didn't. I think that. The family of that person would look at me as not a very, not a particularly good person. If I had the medicine to cure someone and I withheld it for reasons unknown to them or reasons I chose not to explain, I think that they would be perfectly positioned to say that I was acting like a moral monster, that I wasn't, I was, I was acting without compassion. I would be on the hook for that, and I don't think any, any human would really say otherwise. So that's kind of what I'm getting at, is that in, in your mind, that somehow has to work out. Unless you've just accepted the fact that it looks like a contradiction and you don't know what the answer is, but you trust that there is an answer, that's one way to answer that question. But if that's not what you're going to say, and you believe that you do have a solution, you can square that circle, that's what I want to know. Because I've never met anybody who's been able to square the circle. I've met plenty of people who can say, well, I don't know why it's that way, but I trust anyway that God has a good reason. Right. I don't, that's not the answer that I jive with, but at least, you know, that's an answer. But a- it, it's absolutely. the people who say that they know how it works out. That's what I want to find out. Right. And, and 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 unfortunately, because of the nature of your job, you only get to call me frequently in the last ten minutes or five minutes of the program. Here's the way that I would I would state it uh, for um, for a further uh, conversation around it is that I would I would first take your analogy of uh, us dealing with sick people and having the medicine to be able to fix them as an analogy that does not um, correspond with the reality of how God is dealing with evil in the world. I would say that. It's a flawed analogy that there's not a one-to-one correspondence. Then I would have to prove that assertion, obviously, uh, to you or the audience. Secondly, I would say that we're still dealing with a presuppositional factor that we haven't taken into consideration.
generation in that wherever we try to put an analogy or create a scenario by which we think we can frame the the factors properly are suspect with us who actually believe what God says is the brokenness in your nature and mine. So I would say that um, our, our fundamental problem is that um, we are not good, you and I, and when we try to determine what good is, that has to be evaluated at length um, and, and then really be ter- determine whether or not it is good at all or our claims of goodness being able to be executed. I would think, and I would say this, there are times when you and I could do good, but we don't do good, um, Brandon. And as such, I would agree with you that we have done evil. But I would say that when we would judge God for that same reason, that we've got a lot more explaining to do in order to come down with that gavel on him. I really do appreciate your call and look forward to talking more with you about it in the future. When you get a chance, call me back, my friend. All right, you guys got to take a break. God bless you. Saturday, 10 o'clock. Blessings. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.